the day that Psalms was pointing to. There's a day that we point back to when Jesus came as the beloved of God, where Jesus came as the final Adam, where Jesus came and he lived a righteous life, fully God and fully man, and he walked the face of the earth and lived a perfect and holy life as my substitute. And then as my propitiation, as my substitute, he died the death that I deserved because of my sin. And the judgment of God, the just judgment of God was poured out on him so that it didn't have to be poured out on me and you. He became our substitute. He paid the price for our sins. His sacrifice was sufficient, and he rose again, so that if you're in Christ today, God can look at you and call you beloved. Amen? If you're in Christ today, God can say, you are my beloved. Not only will I give you rest, not only will I give you sleep, but while you sleep, I will work on your behalf. Amen? In Christ, we are his beloved. In Christ, we are his. Guess what? In Christ, your work is not in vain. If your life is relying on God because of Jesus and what he's done, if you are fully relying on Christ for forgiveness, if you're fully relying on Christ for his righteousness that's substituted for your unrighteousness, if you're relying on that, now your life becomes worship to God. He gets glory from our lives as we worship him in response to the gospel in your effort, in your focus, in your pursuits, in your and, and everything you pursue as God is your greatest treasure won't be in vain because he's building the house, amen? What a perspective shift on life. So if you're in the day-to-day grind every day and you're thinking, what am I doing? Look at Colossians 3.23. Everything you do, do is unto the Lord. Your work is loving and worshiping God. Your pursuit in your job is loving and worshiping God. Your pursuit in your family is loving and worshiping God. What you're building, what you're toiling after, if it is in reliance prayerfully on God and who he is, and it's in an effort to worship and love him with your life, then God will continue to build the house in your life. And it'll be like the difference between the guy who built it on a foundation of solid rock or the guy that built on sand. And when the winds came and the waves came, it just washed away. What an incredible effort to undertake, to build a house, to toil, to sweat, to hammer, to to get the wood, to get the materials, to put it all together, to spend the time in, in effort and physical work to build a house on shifting sand that when waves come and winds come, it gets completely washed away. Oh, but if you build your house on the rock, of Jesus Christ, of the one who died for you and loves you as you rely on him with your life, if you toil, if you work, if you hammer, if you labor on the foundation of who he is, as your whole life relies upon him in everything that you do with a focus and a clarity that your life is to worship him, you're building it on a rock that never changes, that never fails, that can never be knocked down because God builds the house, amen? Not only does God build the house, the God of the universe who created everything, he watches over it. He watches over it. 
so you can sleep and you can rest in him. Amen? Isn't that good news this morning? What a way to think of life. What's your job? What's your vocation? What are you doing every day? What are you spending your time on? And then ask yourself the second question. Why? Why? I'm doing this particular vocation and in the midst of my day-to-day, my pursuit is to honor and glorify God in it. My pursuit, yes, is to support my family and to provide for them. But in the midst of my day-to-day, how am I worshiping, pursuing God as my greatest treasure? How am I glorifying Him in my business, in my vocation, in my schooling, in my study? If more people in the body of Christ thought of their vocation as the place where God has called them to glorify Him and to live a life of of worship, faithful worship to God in the midst of their vocation, we'd feel differently about our day-to-day, would we not? Do it as unto the Lord. Look at Philippians 4.6. I just want to read a couple more passages for you, then I'm going to quickly jump to the second half of this psalm. Philippians 4.6. This is a common verse that we read. I think it applies to this passage. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. How do I do this? How do I do this? How do I rely on God in my day-to-day? How do I rely on Him so that I know He's building the house? Don't be anxious. Yes, work hard, but don't eat the bread of, of vain, vainless toil. In in everything that you're doing, as you're working day to day, as you're living day to day, as you're building your house, as you're building your family with your children and your spouses, don't be anxious, don't be worried, recognize that he's building the house, and if he's building the house, don't be anxious about anything, but pray. In prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. Why? Because the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We need a perspective shift in our worry and in our anxiety and in our effort. If you're relying on Christ, if you're relying on God, don't be anxious. Just recognize God's in control. I'm going to pray to Him and I'm going to let Him give me that peace that goes beyond my ability to understand. Folks, when you don't understand what's going on in your life and it seems like things are going crazy, you can reach out of your subjective emotion and you can hang on to a God who knows, who never changes, who's always faithful. And you, in the midst of your anxiety, can reach out of your emotion and say, God, I'm praying and trusting in you. And I'm asking you for a peace that goes beyond my ability to understand because you are the God who builds my house. Amen? Don't be anxious. But pray and look to the God who's building the house. He's in control. 
when you don't understand, you get to know that he does. Nothing's outside of his control, outside of his sovereignty, outside of his understanding. And you're his beloved. He loves you. Amen? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? There is no more anxiety causing, there is no greater cause of anxiety in the life of of an American Christian in 2017 than the love of money. Listen, the dude that, that wrote the song, You Can Buy Me a Truck, right? Is that the song? No, You Can Buy Me a Boat. I got two country songs totally mixed up in my head because he wants his truck to pull the boat. I got it. You Can Buy Me a Boat and a Truck to Pull It. I got it, yes. And, and he, he misquotes scripture as I misquoted his song. He says, you know that money's the root of all evil. Money's not the root of all evil. The Bible never says that money is the root of all evil. It says twice, the love of money is the root of all evil. Folks, we love money. And it causes great anxiety. And it causes great fear. And the Bible says clearly in Hebrews 13, keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. I'll never leave you or forsake you. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Amen? Similar to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12. You're worried about what you're going to eat. You're worried about what you're going to wear. God knows you need it. He clothes the lilies of the field. He takes care of the grass that's here today and burned tomorrow. How much more will he care for you? As you work, as you effort, don't pursue the love of money. Pursue the love of Christ. Pursue God as your greatest treasure, and he will take care of you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. I think the word of God is trying to tell us something. And that's that we're pursuing the wrong things. The last half of this passage, i got to preach quickly. But it's no less important. Behold, children are the heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. I love that it goes from verse 2, we just joked about this, where he gives the beloved sleep and then it says, Behold, children are the heritage from the Lord. I, me and Alex, again, I just referencing our conversation earlier, Alex said he must have written this because they're all on this pilgrimage to the temple and there's kids running around everywhere, right? Think about it. All the people of Israel are traveling together on a pilgrimage to the temple to worship for one of the major festivals. Can you imagine how many kids are running around that thing? And he was probably like, man, children are heritage from the Lord. God will give you sleep. I haven't slept in 16 years, and we're going to have our fourth 
Amen? <laughs> Number four, coming at the end of August. And the psalm comes and adjusts our perspective. We are living in an all-time low in terms of the children that people have. You know that? The idea that you would have more children than there are parents is distasteful to our society. Everybody says you've got to go from a man to man to his own once you get three. And it's true. And I think the perspective that we hear and we often joke about is not lost on the psalmist. I think, I think the psalmist recognizes in the midst of saying children are a heritage from the Lord. Children are like, uh, they're an inheritance from the Lord. Children are a reward from the Lord. And children are like a weapon. They're like, they're like bullets. They're like arrows for you to shoot. This perspective shifting in the psalm about how we view our families and our children, it's, it's not lost on the psalmist that children are also difficult, that children also uh, are, are, are hard in the sense that there's, there's effort, that there's work, that there's lack of sleep, that there's worry, that there's concern, that there's shaping, and that there's, there's, but it's good work for a particular purpose. And I think the psalmist shifting of our priorities here has everything to do with us relying on God for everything we do as we build our households. He shifts our perspective. My parents have a saying hanging above their stove that I've recognized of late. And it says grandchildren are God's reward for not killing your children. <laughs> and I can only think that has to do with my brother. But <laughs> sometimes we see it that way, don't we? And I know that they don't really feel that way, but we often joke about these things. And the psalmist comes into our world, and, and the word of God speaks to our hearts and our lives, and it says, listen, your children aren't just the ones that are going to get an inheritance from you. Your children are your inheritance. Your children aren't just going to cost you a lot of money, but your children are your reward. And that word reward means pay, like you were hired and paid. Your children are paying you. You're not just paying for them. And then think of this perspective shifting word about our kids. Your children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. I think of it like, like it's, another, it's another cartridge full of bullets for your gun in case you run out. Like So when you go to the gate, it says at the end of the psalm, when you go to the gate, what that's referencing is you're going to meet the enemy. You're going to have a conversation about whether or not these, this enemy is going to sack your city. And when you go to have that conversation, you're going to be glad you got a lot of your kids standing with you for when you go to battle. What an amazing picture this song gives us about our kids. Man, when we build our house as we work in our vocations, unless the Lord builds it, we build in vain. But if you're his beloved God, if you're in tune and in line with him as someone who's received and is relying on Jesus Christ prayerfully and thankfully and worshiping God with your life, he's building your house on the outside and on the inside. Because as we have kids, as we pursue God in the shepherding and in the parenting of our kids, they're like something that pays us back. 
They're a reward. They're our inheritance. And they're going to be our weapons as we go forward into life. They're going to be, we're going to be glad as if they are paying us, that they're standing by our sides, alongside of us, as we're warriors shooting our weapon at the enemy. Our kids are going to be like arrows. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Isn't that good news? What a great way to think of our children. What a great way to think of parenting. And if you're here this morning and you say, I don't have any kids or, or my kids are grown, uh, this, this is not um, outside of, of, of homiletically looking at this passage, is letting this passage uh, be preached from, from what it's saying to think that, that your pursuit may be spiritual children. Your pursuit may be pouring into someone else the word of God who's younger than you. And, and continuing to raise kids in the faith, as Timothy was Paul's kid, as, as in the faith, as, as, as so many older, more wise, more, uh, more experienced men have poured into my life, as I hope to pour into others' lives and my biological children as well as others. It's like having weapons. It's like having bullets and arrows that we shoot at the enemy. Good news, isn't it? Like arrows in the hands of a warrior. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Let me close with this. If you're in Christ, and you're pursuing God as your greatest treasure, what you do every day matters. As you do it unto the glory of God, to glorify and worship Him, it matters. God's in it and God's watching over it. Amen? As you raise your kids, as you raise your physical, biological children, and as you look to disciple and love others in the faith, God's in it. God's going to be faithful in it. He's going to use your kids. They're going to be like something that pays you. They're going to be an inheritance for you. They're going to be like a weapon in your hands as you go out to face the enemy. As you go out to the gate, it's going to be like you got a bunch of big dudes standing with you. And the enemy looks back at you and recognizes, wait a minute. That's what our kids are. In the midst of your daily grind, in the midst of your Monday through Friday, in the midst of your mundane, look to God. Rely on God as your greatest treasure. Look to what you're doing, what your effort is going towards, what your paycheck and your money is going towards, and the way that you're looking at your children. And recognize that unless I'm doing this in reliance on the Lord and He's building this house, the stuff I'm pursuing doesn't matter. But, shift that, if I am, He's building it, He's watching over it, He's protecting it, and in my effort, I can rest and I can sleep knowing that he's working on my behalf. Isn't that good news? Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word. So many. So many in this life have achieved so much and looked upon their achievement and in their hearts recognized it was in vain. Like that man in Billy Graham's story, so many have accumulated so much, have gained so much, 
and looked at it all, surveyed the results of their effort and their talent and their toil and recognized that it didn't matter. And Lord, as we come to you this morning, we recognize that yes, there is a lot of vanity in this sinful world. But as you shift our perspective to your word, we recognize that you have purpose, that in you we have identity, that in you our effort matters, that in you, as we are in line with what you've called us to do, as we worship you with our lives, our building's not in vain, that you're building a house that's secure, that you're using us to build something that matters, that's eternal, that lasts forever. That in you, as we raise our kids, God, you are causing them to be like a reward, like an inheritance, like a weapon that effectively is shot to destroy the enemy. That it's only in you that our life has meaning and purpose and great effect. That it's only in you that we find joy and peace that goes beyond our ability to understand. And our prayer this morning, God, is that we would pursue what you're pursuing. That we wouldn't live our lives in vain that we wouldn't waste our life on stuff that rusts and doesn't matter, but that you would spend our lives building your kingdom for your purpose, for your glory. Let us be a people that stands and declares, God, be glorified in me, in everything I do, in everything I pursue. You be worshipped, you be glorified, because everything else we could pursue is nothing. It's vanity. Help us to heed the words of Solomon who had everything this earthly world could give. And he said, it's all vanity. But unless the Lord builds the house, it's in vain. God, build our lives, build our homes, build in our children, build in our vocations. You do the work. Because unless you do it, it doesn't matter. We look to you. We rely on you. We're your beloved because of Jesus. We thank you and worship you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.